Hello and welcome back to the first What The Fog podcast in, well, absolutely weeks, to be honest. Um, I've been busy, as I always am. Dave's been, I don't know, cooking something at the pub. Ross has had a baby, obviously not himself. That would be a scientific miracle. And Brad has been waiting to do a podcast. Um, but we thought we'd do one. We thought we'd agree with Brad and, uh, you know, with pre-season well underway and the new season just sort of two weeks away, more or less, by the time you're listening to this, the whole gang's sort of joined uh, to discuss effectively what sort of happened since we've last been on the podcast and have a little bit of a look at the sign-ins, the games, and, and obviously what's to come. But first and foremost, I'll introduce Ross. Ross, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm good, plodding on, watching football at two o'clock in the morning, living the dream. You've had a baby, haven't you? Like I say, you haven't. You're not a scientific miracle, but yes. uh, congrats on order, I, I think. I cheers, I, but uh, mm. he just doesn't know the difference between night and day, so it's been ideal for pre-season, <laughs> but let's just let's just leave it a pre-season, hopefully, and then uh, I, I might actually come up with something coherent. We've... Uh, we did say that Ross is pretty much the only one that's managed to stay awake for the entirety of all of the games. I'm going to be honest, I've watched a bulk of the highlights. Uh, Brad, you've watched a bit more than I have, and Dave, don't know what he's watched, but he's not on the show anyway. But um, Brad, obviously you are here as well. We've just said Dave is not, but Brad, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, not too bad. I'm a bit pissed off, like I've just mentioned here. Um, run my Sunday league team and referees just dropped out at nine o'clock at night, which isn't ideal. For a Sunday morning game. So when this goes out, if anyone is a qualified referee in the Northeast, let me know who you are um, and I'll save you for future reference. So I'll not use this one again. But on the whole, mate, I'm very good. It's good to be back. Um, again, I'll echo what you said. Congratulations, Ross. Welcome to fatherhood. Um, you look an absolute clip for mine, but fair play to you. Why we do an audio podcast. Um, I'm the last one to go. So it's just me, the last one to go. There's only the... Uh, How are the you, I'm all right. I'm not bad. No, actually, I've actually had a, a minging couple of months, but I'm coming at the other end of it, so I'm not too bad. Um, I think you are talking before about the referees, and we were talking off air, by the way. I'm aware we've gone off the tangent already, but we are talking about referees, and Brad was saying, I kind of just ring up one of my mates and say, do you want, you know, however much money to referee this game? But sometimes that's what championship referees are like, or that's what it seems like. So we are kind of fully back in the swing of something just by me having that lovely little segue about horrendous referees. Um, I think at the time of speaking, like I said, it's sort of two weeks till the first game. Sunderland have had, I think, a total of four players signed. We've had a total of four preseason games. Five preseason games, sorry. Um, so we'll dig, dig through as much as possible. We'll make some predictions and stuff like that. Have a look at the players ahead of the season because um, it's been quite a while, essentially, since we, we last spoke. Hamir obviously hadn't played. Job, I don't think, had signed um, just to fix his route, and we just kind of spoke about that. But, Ross, you are the one person that's seen every minute of all the, the preseason games. How have you... I, I know you can't take much from it, but what sort of stood out for you? Chris Rigg. He's mint. Like <laughs> he's sixteen year old and he, he's just looked brilliant. Um attacking wise, I think we've looked very good. Emir has been a focal point which we were crying out for last season. Um and it just looked especially in America, it just looked very fucking hot and hard to play football in. So fitness wise, conditioning wise, it was probably perfect. The team's level I think got worse by each game if we're being a bit harsh. But at the same time, I think they're. I think the way America works, they're mid-season, so the sharpness was there, and you could really tell. So that that also helped, and it looked like we played 
every night we played, we had a training session as well during the day. So it was like a double session. So it basically seems like fitness-wise and condition-wise being absolutely beasted. Uh, and you could tell in like the last 20 minutes of every game, we were getting a bit leggy. And um, but, but overall, I think we've seen some good stuff. I think there's still obvious gaps because when you give one, like we'll have one game, I think it was the last two have been given 90 minutes for like a full 11 if there was no injuries. And then that, of course, leaves you with only one striker in him here. So the other time we've had to play Bennett up front, which is not very fair on the lad, to be honest, because he's not a centre forward. And he's looked a bit out of place. And when the goal he took came from on the right wing, which is his position. So, yeah, obviously that's been the, probably the big standout for me that we need desperately another centre forward or two in and another defence centre defensive midfielder because Matete looks better as an eighth going forward, which was shown last night. And then if he doesn't play there, then that relies you on having Neil to sit, which he can do, but I don't think it's his best position. He's also good as an eight. And I don't think you can be too expectant on Job to play there, Bellingham or Equa, because Equa's an enforcer. So we desperately need a experience or good central defensive midfielder and a striker or two. That's glaringly obvious, but I think the rest of the, the rest of the parts look good and every player we brought in technically and physically looks strong. So from what I've seen so far, but of course preseason means absolutely nothing results wise. So it all depends on how the how we do against Ipswich. Yeah, you're right. I think like I think it's five and five with one who scored loads of goals but conceded in every game. The, the one Pat Ocon did the other week was hilarious. Um, touched on defensive midfielder there. And I, obviously, first thing I was thinking was Corey Evans. Have we got any idea when he should be back? Because obviously, if he is, we could maybe risk it, so to speak, if he's back fairly soon. He won't be back in 2023. Hmm. Well, that's a bit of a pain in the ass. Brad, um... you brought the bad news. <laughs> I'm going to ask you now to bring some good news. <laughs> um, it's hard to decipher from, like, essentially, because the way the games have been played, I'm not going to lie and say I've watched all 90 minutes. I've watched a good, solid portion of the highlights. Um, but it's five and five. It's a lot of goals. There has been some good stuff there. But essentially, if we'd lost all five, we'd be saying, well, you can't take much from preseason. So it's all the same. But there has been some positives there. I mean, there's some stuff that looks pretty good. But what have you made of the preseason? anyone that's... Set up for you, obviously. Uh, Ross mentioned Riggy. Yeah, Riggy for me as well. But I think Hamia's sort of he, he's fitted straight in. Um, I think the one that went down as an own goal was still him being a striker, which we've 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 seen it was the back end of last season. We didn't really have, or for a lot large part of last season, he was getting in the right areas. He's always in and around that. In between the six-yard box up to the penalty spot, he's always around there. He's getting his head on things. He's a big boy. And when he's getting his head on things, a few of them are going in. And if he's not getting to it, he's at least putting defenders under pressure and they're, they're scoring on goal. So, I mean, what, I know what you're saying with pre-season. Um, if you lose, it doesn't matter. If you win, it's not really... It doesn't mean much. But these are all professional footballers. They'll go out there thinking that they want to win a game anyway. Um, they want... When, when you start a game of football, no matter what level you play at, you always want to win. You want to do your best. So the lads will, the, the lads will take confidence knowing that they're playing against teams, yes, not at the top level in America, but the second tier. And they're in mid-season 
I think one of them's pushing towards the top of the I think was it San Antonio, maybe close to the top of the league. Um and they were very I mean, I watched about fifty percent of that game and they were a very high pressing team. And I thought we dealt with that quite well. Um I mean another thing to factor in is how hot it was over there. And was it the second game where they said the altitude was something stupid as well? Um so they have they've coped very, very well. And I think it was actually good for Mowbray to try and play the same eleven as much as he could for each game so they both get like all the lads again the full ninety in the tank. Um it's just a shame we've picked up another couple of injuries <laughs> this early on. I don't know how serious they are yet. I think they'll be assessed when we get back, when the lads get back. But on the whole, I think it's been a very successful trip over there. And if 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 you look at the club socials, I mean it's it's only a positive. I think we've gained a lot of followers in America as well. Um, and it was great to see how many Sunderland fans actually went over. It's just, it just, I mean, nothing surprised me with Sunderland fans, but it's just excellent to see how far they've travelled and they're going to all three games. I know a couple of people that went, you were on our branch, they went to all three and just toured America <laughs> watching Sunderland. It's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I, like Ross said, we did get leggy towards the end of games. That's naturally going to happen at this stage anyway um, it would have happened over here probably is not as dramatic because the weather here has been absolutely appalling typical British weather but they've stood up they've they've done very very well and I mean one more player I want to say that stood out uh, young lad in goal the other night and it's just a shame he didn't keep a clean sheet I mean if it wasn't for, for the last couple of minutes of the game he'd have kept a clean sheet and I was very impressed with him he looks, he looks a, a talent. 16-year-old to come in and he was so commanding and very confident. Uh, it was, it, It's very positive. I mean, I'm not saying we don't need to get another keeper when you're talking about players we need to bring in. He won't, probably won't be ready, but he could be ready to go out on loan to a National League, possibly League 2 side and see how he gets on because he looks a real talent as well, mind. It was, I mean, it's good as well. Like I know we've seen Pato and we've seen uh, Pickford sort of in the years previously when they came in in pre-season games at 16 or whatever, and you thought, you know, they're all right then, they look decent. And you were aware that they weren't ready, but you kind of thought, well, next four years or something, there's a keeper there that can, you know, potentially come in and fight for number one. So I think that was a real big positive. I think he's ironically called Young. Um, is that right, Matthew Young, I think he's called. Um, but you touched on sort of the, the fans and stuff in America as well. I've got to say, we're going to get onto it later on because I think it needs to be touched on the stuff off the field for something, but I really think the socials have been really good. Um, and I know people say it's only social, it doesn't matter if you're engaged on the pitch, and I do wholeheartedly agree, but look, social media is like a really important part in sort of growing the club and enticing people to want to come to the club. And I, I do think the media lads have got it right over the past few months, and I think it's been really, really good. But um, looking at... The players you've, you've touched on before, I think Ross, I'll, I'll come to you with this one. We've touched, I think he's called Seeltz, the, the Dutch boy. Um, obviously, we've got Job, we've got Nectar, not trying his surname, and Hamir as well. Now, over in America, Hamir obviously got quite a few touchdowns, uh, which is good to see. He's still our only striker, but it's very, very, like our only fit striker, should I say, but he looks. He looks like the kind of striker we need, not just that he's had a good preseason, as you said before, his size and his stature. Um, Ellis Sims went to Coventry for it could round up to eight million, I think. If Hamir is the player that he seems to be in preseason, I think we've saved eight million there. Do you what do you reckon? Definitely. Um 
let's be honest, if you play for Benfica and you win the away for Youth Champions League and you score goals for fun at that, you've got to have someone about you. You know what I mean? Um, he's technically very good as well. He's, I know he's a big lad, but like he's, he's, he's... To be fair, Brad touched on it as well about the move that did, he didn't get the goal for it, went down as an own goal. But that's just like natural instinct and intelligence, isn't it? To know where to be positionally, to get across your man, put the defender under pressure. Something we praised Ross Stewart for for the best part yeah, of the half seasons. Definitely. He, he, he's, he's, he look, he's very similar to Ross Stewart, I think. Um, but he, like you say, he's he's very tall. He's he's winning headers for fun. But like I say, on his on his feet, he can hold the ball up and he links up really well. Like he's brought out a different side of Alex Pritchard as well. Because Alex Pritchard, to me personally, he, he did it in glimpses last season. But he did look a bit lost. And then when he's had him here next to him in pre-season, he looks like the, the, the Alex Pritchard we had in League One, who was the playmaker. How many so, times did we say though, last season as well that Pritch needs Ross Stewart? Yeah, we, we actually on one of our podcasts, and I can't remember which one. We actually said Pritchard misses Ross Stewart. We 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 said them words, and like like Ross was saying there, I know he's a big boy him here, but what I really liked about him is he plays very similar to how Ross Stewart does. He's not afraid to run the channels. He he's not afraid to come and get involved as well, like a big man does. Rather than just big lump up front, see what happens. He'll come deep. He'll recycle the player, and then he'll make his move. And that's very intelligent for a 19-year-old to know how to do that. I mean, I mean, football's come on leaps and bounds and he's probably been, he will have been coached that. But for a 19-year-old to go and do that in the first team game, albeit friendly, it's very, very positive. Yeah. I, I also I, think Mahima... Sorry. No, go ahead, mate. Go ahead. I also think Mahima, there was a lot of clubs after him, like Brighton and the Premier League, who were flying. He wouldn't, let's be honest, he wouldn't have came here if he wasn't going to be told that you've got a chance of playing regular minutes in the championship. So he's he's came to start games and be given an opportunity. And I think the way everyone talks about the model, but that's the only way we get these talented players to come here by offering them game time. Look at look at how good Equa has been this preseason. But we he's basically continued that from the end of last season. It's because we give these young lads a chance in senior football environments and even if the struggle at first, which Equa did massively, in my opinion, he took a few games from to like wake up. They're going to be given time, and they're going to be told, "Look, you go, you go, you can become a professional footballer here and learn your trade in men's football." And it's a big, it's a big jump for the lad. You know what I mean? He's a nineteen-year-old moving, <laughs> moving in Europe to a club that's not in the elite level. Championships a brilliant level, but it's not the elite of Benfica, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes, but. So far, so good. You know, he looks apart. Right, obviously, there's the other three boys that have come in. Um, again, I'm going to go with just Nectar because I don't want to absolutely like crucify his name. That's not fair. Seals, I think is the correct name. And Job, obviously, is just like Madonna. You just call him by his first name. Um, all young boys all come with good reputations. Obviously, Job has got a reputation, maybe slightly because of his brother as well, but I think he has got a reputation on his own merit, and obviously he's only 17, so he hasn't really been around the game that long. Seals comes in from PSV. Obviously, I've read a few bits to say that he was never going to get in PSV's first team, but I think it's a bit of a different kettle of fish. He was looked at by Burnley. And Nectar's just came out of nowhere. Um, but the boys obviously looks like the golden boy of Australian football, and there's some really good footballers came out of Australia. I think we touched on it before on the, the fixture show, Brad, that you know they seemed positive signings, but there's nothing that's 
in the preseason games that's made us think any different. I think they've all looked relatively solid, although we haven't really been able to see Seals that much because of his injury yesterday. Yeah, um, I think we've seen more of Job than any of the other ones. Uh, Seal obviously was nursing an injury and Triantis was late coming in. Um, but I do like the look of them. They are all big boys. And Triantis, I think we've said it one. Is it that easy? That's what I've been thinking of this. Oh, but... wait. I've just gone with that then. Well, if not, I'll call him Nectar. <laughs> Nectar Triantis. There we go. Um, yeah, I mean... They're all big boys, and I think that's what we said on the on the fixture show as well. Credit the recruitment team; they've realised why we didn't manage to like get to the playoff final because we got bullied in the second leg because we didn't have a big enough team. But not big enough by numbers. Well, our numbers were down, but just in stature, we we were just too small, and ultimately it was two set players that cost us three if you count the first leg. So. Yeah, um, I am hopeful still. I mean, I haven't seen enough of the two boys at the back, really, to, to have a, a, a fair judgment just yet. And really, it's not fair to judge Job, but he does look like he's a few years ahead of where he should be, which is a positive. He's, he's playing more, maybe he's 19, 20-year-old at, at that stage of his development. You forget he is only 17 years old. 17 years old, man. I mean, what, what was I doing at that age? 10 Richmond Super Kings and a bottle of white lightning. <laughs> He's playing football <laughs> and sent midfield to someone. <laughs> it's it's very positive, but there is always going to be that little, we need an, another experienced player or two. Yeah. I think if we are going to go and get one of these Corey Evans type players, it's going to have to be someone like Corey Evans. I'm not saying go and sign someone um, well, how old is Corey? 31, 32? Mm, I think so, something like that. He, maybe he's going to pick up a, a, a player who's just on the fringes of a Premier League side or even just being released who's 27, 28 year old but they've got 300 games behind them. I mean, what's that? Who was that lad from uh, Fulham? That boss was at the stage of my life. Kenny. Oh, yeah, Tom Kenny. Aye. But he's not getting in the side but he's got a lot of games behind them. So, someone like that, I wouldn't... I, I, I think that's who we need. We need someone who's... It's, it's all well and good having all these numbers and like Ross said, we've got a lot of eights or... But they're all young boys. We need someone with experience if it's not going right and it's starting to look like that. Maybe he's getting a bit leggy, a bit nervous. Someone to come in with this experience and sort of pick them back up and steady it. It's exciting, but it's still... a the squad as it is is very exciting, but it's still a little bit light in experience for me. I just want to point out that Tom Kenny played 33 games for Fulham last year. He was always a sub. Was he? Predominantly, he played as a sub. All right, I stand corrected. He very, very rarely started. I think he started the season and he started getting left out. I don't know if it's, or maybe it's in January if Willian came in and he wasn't really seen after that. Yeah, well, I am not from the better. start anyway. He clearly was saying, um, yeah, but yeah, he's got a lot of experience. Someone like him would be ideal. But if he if if word got out that he was available, there'd be a lot of low end Premier League sides would be looking at him as well. So, but you know what I mean? Someone around that stature that will can control a game, but also can lead a team as well. Yeah, I think as much as the young players have been the exciting ones, like the 
the anchor of like Danny Bart and Alex Pritchard and Corey Evans is, have been massive. And I think I don't want to lose that completely. And, and I'm sure Tony Mowbray doesn't either. I think it's just a case of getting the right experience head within the club. And I hope obviously that is something that we do as well. But um, before we, we touch on a couple of potential negatives, I don't really think they are negatives, to be honest, just kind of a bit more balance and maybe devil's advocate. Um, you mentioned a young boy at the start of the programme, Ross. Um, I've officially heard that he now hates the Mags, uh, which is great news. Chris Rigg, um, look, the boy's a talent. You can quite clearly see that. You could see that in the games against Fulham. Um, his reputation within the game seems very, very high. And look, as much as I hate that lot up the road, the potentially the richest club in the world at the moment, and they were quite willing to sort of go in and try and offer him big bucks. He's, he's decided to stay, which is great news. Can he make an impact this season? And I don't just mean can he come off the bench once or twice. I mean, can he can he get into that team and by the end of the season have made 15, 20 sort of maybe not starts, but appearances and a couple of goals here and there? Yeah. Like, I can't believe, like, from the, from the lad who came off the bench at Fulham in January to the lad I've been watching in pre-season, physically and just intelligence-wise on the pitch, he looks like a new, a new player. And obviously, people have seen this potential in him. For years, that's why he's always been. He was playing for our under-18s last year, Catton, when he was 15-year-old. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got to be something something to do that. 15-year-old coming off the bench in the FA Cup at a Premier League, against a Premier League side. You know, you've, he's he's definitely got someone about him and he, he, he's a good finisher by the looks of it as well. <laughs> he had one ruled out last night, but then he, the two goals he's took against Shields and then the one against San Antonio was a brilliant finish. Um, he just he just looks ready. It's it's weird. Like he's sixteen year old, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, put him in because normally you'd be like, oh, a few sub appearances. But I think I don't I don't think he'll start the season. But the crew game, the, the Carabao Cup game, he'll have to me. He's a certainty to start that one at least. And I think as the season progresses, he'll just grow into it. And I think we have got potentially one of the one of the best young talents in the country in our squad and it's testament to the turnaround in the club in the academy side that and the first team side that when you mentioned the mags you meant there was a few other clubs i think man united liverpool and that were all interested in him he's seen that he's going to play men's football and get a chance to develop playing the championship with us and compare that uh you look in the one that bally mumba got went to Plymouth today, another one who should be, in my opinion, should be in our squad. You've got Joe Hugo, Sam Greenwood, all them players who should have been playing for Sun and the FC and they flogged them because they needed the money. Nowadays, we can hold our nerve and say, look, we're going to give you this pathway. And he could be probably, I think he could have he got a lot more money somewhere else, but he's picked football and we're, we're the best football offering. To me, that's, that speaks a lot of volumes about how he's been treated and how good our coaching in the academy is at the minute. I think it's massive, and I thought his interview was excellent. Um, I can't remember which game it was after. I think it was after the first game in America, and he did the the interview. Now, I'm going to be honest, I think a few people know I, I sort of do media for a club, obviously not the same size as Sunderland, but a professional football club nonetheless. And, like, you know, a 16, 17-year-old, you don't expect them to be, like, fully able to have a full-on conversation because their maturity is that they're 16, 17. Like... They would naturally give very, very safe answers. 
they'll discuss things in a very, very rigid manner because they don't want to say anything wrong. And, and that's just the way they are. And obviously, the older they get, you know, the more open they become, the more interviews are done, the more they become. But that was his first interview, really. And he sounded like he was just comfortable chatting about footy. Um, I love that you talked about how they asked him, you know, the players that he's playing with and what he can learn from them. And he said, I just need to concentrate on myself. Just about what I do, really. Like, I just need to sort of do what I need to do. And I just thought that's just, it just comes across really confident. Um, and I think, you know, a testament to him, his whole family, black and white by the sounds of it. And it would have been quite easy for him to kind of swan off onto the, you know, the the Saudi Arabian club and and do what they need to do and take all that money and, and yada, yada, yada. But like fair play, he, like you see, he's chosen football and he wants to stay here. Um and play men's football and, and I honestly think he can but one thing I wanted to ask you as well Ross I'm talking before about how many games can he play this season how much is it going to benefit him and his progression that you can now name nine substitutes yeah that's a that is a big thing for the EFL um even just like you see there's so many different options now you can have where you can have basically two of each position there and it also helps that you kind of you're not bringing them in the match day squad and then not putting them on the bench and they're just sitting in the stand. It's a bit of a, feels a bit of a shun, even though they're being involved with the warm-ups and that they're not, they're never going to get on the pitch. So I think it is, it is very good that, and as you mentioned, I think that will be massive for us because I think last season as well, especially the start where we didn't have any depth, we were getting absolutely killed by people bringing on five subs and we were bringing on two. So now we're on about having a wood, many options we've got if someone gets tired or gets a knock then all of a sudden you can put them on and uh, it is huge it is huge so I'm doing as well I think it would be a great story for the club as well and because let's be honest the national media is going to pick it up if he plays and if he scores you know what I mean in the championship with 16 year old it's going to be massive so I just I just hope it works out and um, I'm, I'm really confident from what I've seen I know it's pre-season like you say you don't want to get too carried away but from what everybody says about him who are inside football it sounds like he's a, we've got something special on our hands and let's just hope he can reach his full potential in the red and white shirt yeah I think it's no surprise that like a lot of you know the Champions League clubs and clubs higher up the league um, which is unfortunately includes them up the road were around him like flies and shit it's because he's a good player um, and because it's a player you can probably get cheaper at this age than you can do when he's 21 and he's already a bona fide like superstar potentially um if so he says he's potential so I'm, I'm delighted he's committed to us i hope it continues to be with but um even if we get a good couple of years at the kid and you know he, he flourishes here a la like a bellingham did at, at like birmingham then and fair enough um i think i'll take that but there's a couple of things here brad obviously there has been some some outgoings not many um but there's been chat around outgoings so i think if I remember correctly, you've got um, Alex Bass has gone out on loan. Bailey Wright's obviously gone. Uh, Jack Clark's had links all summer, but that sort of died down recently. Lee Hadji's been linked to Qatar. Danny Bart has been linked due to family issues. Um, I want to move back with family, sorry, not family issues. With Blackburn, which has also died down a bit. So it's not been quiet on outgoings. Um, what have you made of that transfer talk surrounding the players that have gone out with the club and also the players that have actually left the club, Brad? Yeah, I mean, I said on the last one, I don't think Jack Clark will go anywhere. Um, but I think since we last spoke, and it's only been recent, I think I'm Burnley signed someone else anyway. 
Someone mentioned that um, apparently they've pulled out of it because they've signed like two wingers. The great, great um, signing announcement videos. They did one with the Teletubbies and they did one with uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's how I remember it. I can't remember the lads' names, but apparently yeah. they are not looking at Jack Clark because of that. So, yeah, I think it has been positive from a club's point of view because they're standing firm saying, right, we've got, we've got a price in our mind what this player's worth. And if you're coming in too low, we ain't willing to negotiate anything. So it's credit to them. They've they've basically stand on the ground. When years gone by, we'd have probably just seen the first offer accepted and away you go, mate. Um, and another thing, it's like the club didn't say they were going to come out and say they were going. No, Danny Bart's not going anywhere. It was always going. Remember, the discussions were probably there, but it's also a positive in the long run that if we're trying to recruit these type of player and like a 28, 29-year-old or whatever, and say, get a couple of years out of us, but if someone comes in and offers you a good deal, we're not going to stand in your way. Bailey Rice had another year left. Danny Bart got a year left. Um, so it, it it's not worrying me too much. I mean, Bart won't go to Blackburn. Um, I, I, the own owners don't even want to be there, so I don't know why anyone else really wants to be. Um. Bailey Wright, I loved him, great servant of the club. But for how quick our progression's going, he, he wasn't going to play, was he? So it suited all parties. And he went and made his debut for his new team, got sent off in the first half, bless him. Um, <laughs> I saw that in like 20 minutes or something, I wonder, for a professional foul. Yeah, must be a good pace over there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we haven't really... Alex Bass, look, he's not going to get in ahead of Anthony Parson. He's 26, 27-year-old. And he wants to go and play regularly. So that's fine. It doesn't bother me. But we do need someone in backup. Like I said, Young had a good game the other night. But something happens to Patterson, God forbid. You can't expect a 16-year-old to come in and start playing in front of 40,000 people like that. He needs. We need someone who's ready to just to step in. Nick. Save a pair of hands. Nick Colgan, no, too niche. Uh, too niche for... Yeah, but but right. we fair that Nathan Bishop's been mentioned quite a lot, and I quite like that because he's a player who's played in League One and was so good that Man United then wanted him, and he's kind of stagnated, and it feels like a very Sunderland signing in the new model and under the new regime, where it's a player who had all his potential. He's basically he's just been stacked up at Man United under twenty threes. And he's not going to come in here to start, but he's someone who's got potential to then push Anthony Patterson and he's young and he's going to learn. So it's better than, for me, it's better than Bass, who, to be fair, the whole, out of all the recruitment, Bass is probably one of the signs you think, what the fuck was all that about? Like, Jermaine Defoe. Yeah, but at least Defoe, like, he'd been there, done it. Bass had never done it. Yeah. Like, it was very weird. Alex like never, none of it ever made sense in this era, though. Alex Bass has scored more goals for something than Jermaine Defoe did. Under 23s don't count. I'm not having that. Like, I'm no, not no, having no, that. Yeah, they, do. They, they do against that lot. Ross, that I said that. That, that that was one of my goals of the season last season, remember? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm relatively comfortable at the minute, and I, I, I think what they have done is. They've sort of learnt lessons. They're not going to let players go without knowing we've got some... They're going to bring players in before they let them go. Years gone by, Bailey Wright would have been out the door before we brought a single player back in. 
um, and would have left us short. So I'm convinced that they're not going to do that. So if Danny Bart was to go, and look, there will be other clubs sniffing around him, if they know that they can get a two-year deal out of him. Um, but I'm confident the only way he'll go is we'll have someone else already coming in to replace him. Because Mobis, he's not. He, he, I mean, when he first came to us, he was playing with a back three. He didn't want to change anything, and he's changed it now and again. Went to a back three, and at, at Blackburn, he played with a back three or back five, however you want to put it. So I think he wants to be stacked with at least six cent, well, five minimum centre halves, and not just having the ones saying, "Oh, well, Gooch can play there, Hume can play there." He wants out and out centre halves there. So none of these players are going to go without having. The players ready to 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 replace them already in the door, and I keep that. That's what's confident. But it's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks because the big teams are going to start making their moves now. Over the, they're all coming, starting to come back from their pre-season camps. They're all going to. They've seen what they need to see from the players who are on the fringes, like yeah, Ahmad, for example. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I've still got a ten percent hope that he's going to come to us. You know, that that until he signs to someone else. This is always going to be that hope. But all these teams are now going to have seen their full squads. They're going to start making the moves, knowing that, where they need to strengthen, and then that will start to filter down. And we might bring in another gem like Ahmad from a big club because they've also they've already signed a £60, £70 million pound player, which means their young lad, who will be good in a few years, needs to go and get minutes. And that's where teams like ourselves will come in and we're a really good we're in a really good position as a selling point with Ahmad, especially last season. Look, look what we can do. So, yeah, it'll be interesting the next couple of weeks. But at the, at the minute, how we're currently standing, I think the club have been very, very good in what business they've carried out. The one thing I would say that you were really spot on, though, is you look at our you look at our businesses other than Job. I could be wrong, but it's all been in the foreign market, hasn't it? Aye. So I feel like you are right about the. Domestic scene with transfers, we're going to get what filters down. Who's going to come to the championship from the top level, in my opinion? I think that's how it's going to work. Um, or it's going to come to a point where people who are going to get desperate, that that happens. When we're discussing, obviously, um, incomes and outgoings, Ross, there is, we've gone on about it so much as a fan base and on this podcast, an awful lot, but we've talked up him here and how he looks like a direct replacement for Ross Stewart in terms of like his ability and the way he plays. It doesn't seem like Ross Stewart's contract is is getting in any way, shape, size or form sorted. It seems like there's nothing really happening with that. Obviously, there's been links to, I think, Stoke, Luton. Um, I want to say someone else. I can't quite remember who. We've gone over it for a long time, Ross, but where, where are we at with Ross Stewart's contract as a fan base? Do you think, like, what do you think we should do with that? I think that it's it's a total limbo on both sides. So the club's obviously saying now that he's had two serious injuries and he might not be the same. But then Ross Stewart's also looking at it thinking, well, I might get a better deal somewhere else. So I think until he's... I don't think he'll go in the summer. And if he does go, it'll be because of daft bids being put in that way we think it's value for what we're going to get um, with one-year day left. And... Until then, he's not going to kick the ball till about October, by the looks of it. So, it's going to be. It's, it, I think if, if if he stays, it'll be a contract signing in January where he's proved to us he's going to play and he's bit the bullet. 
or I think he, he'll just go if 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 a daft offer comes in, we can reinvest it in getting another two strikers in. Because we look we look like we're going to spend money by the by the by the looks of it. We, all the links we get, there's been like four or five million euros mentioned on quite a few things, which is it's a it's it's a bit more than what we were paying last season. So that it makes you think is money going to come in that way? But again, it's all it's all relative. But I think until until he's back playing football. Uh, it's just limbo, isn't it? I was going to say, Ross, we are getting more money because Sky's giving us money by changing the Southampton game to fucking 12 o'clock on a Saturday. Um, my opinion on the Ross Stewart saga, slightly altered, but I, yeah, I would love to keep him. But something around the 7, 8 million mark, I'd be very tempted just to say, right, let's just end the saga now and let's reinvest it because the longer this drags on, it's just not looking. It's just, I'm getting less and less confident that he's heads in it I think it will be I just think I don't know what I feel quite sad about the entire situation like you said he's played really well I love him he's my favorite player like even at the age of almost 40 but um because you can still have favorite players when you're 40 don't worry um I hear you all you am at Diallo fans but like I think it's just sad like like for me the it should have been something that was tied up a long time ago and the injuries have made it just more complicated now. But I think we've done it to death. I just wanted to kind of raise it whilst I was here. But um, final, maybe most negative thing, Ross, I'm going to come to you with it. It can't really be ignored that we're two weeks away from the beginning of the season. No one really understands what's going on with the digital season tickets. The website broke the day that the away kit was launched. There's a few things that have been mentioned quite a bit off-field. How concerned are you about the off-field stuff? Are you the kind of person that just says, look, if we win games, I couldn't care less whether the pink away shirts for sale? It's a fucking shambles. There's no way around it. Um, I always like to give the club benefit of the doubt and see how praise them to the hill and what they've done in the academy side or on the football side. But commercially and customer relation-wise, it's still League One level. It's still It's still shit. And if we're wanting to grow on the field, we need to grow off it. And I think it's got to come to a point where the hierarchy you've got they've got to make substantial changes. Um we we can't go on like this. We're missing out on commercial revenue, which is huge. With financial fair play being mentioned left, right, and centre. You've got so many people want to buy the shirts, so many people want to wear the shirts on a match day around the town, you know, go on like Father's Day. There was so much opportunity to get it out early, you know, make loads of money. It's holiday season. Everybody wears, takes a shirt on a holder. It's it's just basic economics that we're missing out on. And the season ticket thing, it's just that it's the cross wires, like communications different every time. And I feel so sorry for Chris Waters because fucking hell, what a job he's got. He's a one-man band and, and he's got, he, he tries his best, but there's only so much one man can do. I think we've invested in the academy, we've invested in the team. It's time we properly invested in our infrastructure commercially and customer facing wise before we lose revenue and we lose fans. And to me, I don't think it's good enough, but I don't know how yeah. you feel about it, Brad. Exactly the same, mate. I mean, I went away for a week in Flamingoland with the missus and the kids. Like, our second day there was Father's Day, like you're saying, that was like the week following that. And I shit you not, every day I must have seen about 30 mag shirts, like families wearing them. 
And then, like you said, there, there's, pe- there's kids now, six weeks holidays. They all going away on holiday. Young ones want, and even older people want to wear the kits, want to wear the shirts. And you know what I mean? It's it is an absolute disgrace how it's been run. And you said it's like League One standard. Well, no, I disagree. It's even worse. I mean, there are teams in the National League, National League North, with fully functioning club shops, and they're fully stocked. I mean. It's comparable because we'll have 50-odd thousand people trying to get shirts. They might have a couple of thousand, but it's not hard to put an order of shirts in, get it all sorted before the end of last season, announce the kit a couple of weeks after the season ends, get it released mid-June, because how much is it? 50 quid for an adult shirt and 30 quid for a kid's one. And you've got 30-odd thousand people that were going to go out and buy them in that time before the season starts. That's money into the club's own pocket to, to reinvest it into the to the club. We are begging them to say, right, let's give you our money, please. And then they just, middle of summer, they start putting the flipping advertisement that they're selling body warmers and big jackets. And I'm like, come on. That's the only thing you can buy in the club shop at the minute. Uh, it's just, it is an absolute shambles all over the place. Um, they won't be getting my money for a shirt. Um, I'll get mine elsewhere if I need to. That's how I that's how I feel on it. Um, and the digital side, I listened to Nick Barnes's podcast the other day when he was at the the, the little fans meeting that they had and explain all. But look, it, it's it will work for those who have got access and who are tech savvy and knows this type of stuff. But this. The way they've came out and said, right, you can have a little white card if you come and queue at the club shop between Monday and Friday, when predominantly most people go to work or we're going to set up a little stall on the day of the first game. It's not filling people full of confidence. And then they've started saying, they're going to, I think they're trying not on Tuesday with an open training session. Then it's going to be the game next Saturday at home. And then from Monday onwards, they're going to start releasing the tickets in batches so everyone will receive them. How many times in the past, and I know this is not just with this current regime, it was the previous ones, but it's still the same club. Have people got the first game of the season and they haven't got a card and they like the queue is out the door trying to get in to watch the team that they've paid £400 a season ticket? To, the, the, we've gave them the money. It's not like if, if you went to any other business in the world, right? And I don't know, a car dealership. But I want to buy your car. Yeah, but we're not showing you what kind of car you're going to get. Or, right, give us the money, and we're not going to tell you when you're going to get it. And you know what I mean? It's it, it, You just say, fucking, I'm taking my business elsewhere. And I think they're starting to take, not starting to, they have been taking us for granted as fans, knowing that we will come back anyway. We will find a way to come back. People will be happy to queue outside for two or three hours in the pissing rain. But there needs to become a point where the fans say, you know what, fuck yeah. If you don't get it right off the pitch, commercially, customer customer relations, then so I'm, I'm not going to come anymore. And it's a shame because we've been so positive about everything that's going so well on the pitch. But I feel so strongly about we're trying to, for the last, what, 10 years, this next generation of fans have been dealt with relegations, League One football, and absolute shite. Now they're becoming to the point where 
we were starting to look right on the pitch, but when they're getting to the age now where they're going to want to be starting to buy stuff themselves, not relying on the parents, they're going to see the absolute farce that we all have to go through behind the scenes and they'll be thinking, you know what, I can't even be bothered with it. And you're going to start losing the younger fans again by stuff that's going wrong off the pitch. It needs sorting. And those at the top, like Louis Davis and that, if they look at Steve Davis and think he's done an exceptional job, they need to wake up because he's been very, very average at best for me. Yeah, it's been, it's been poor. I can't really add much more than what you have now. I'm, I'm a bit different. I can use a phone and I can be tech savvy and, and yada yada. And I know everyone has arguments on both sides of the fence, but like the, even the, just the communication's poor. Like, um, I wanted to now to go into the Mallorca game, of course. Um, I bought those tickets over a week ago and still haven't been sent <laughs> the digital version of it, which... Is it another question, but this is kind of the point I'm making. This is kind of not how things should be, but, you know, it is what it is. We've touched on stuff. I can't add any more to it. Ross, it's it's the first team we're playing against that I think are ranked, like, higher than us. It's at the Stadium Light, which is nice. I know we've had a few over the past few years. We had Heronveen a few years ago, and I know that we had, uh, I think it was Wigan Hull, something, Hull, Hull, Hull a few years ago. But like Mallorca, it sounds nice. Um, and it's Wish probably it's uh, one that everybody wishes away, isn't it? Imagine that a little bit. But I mean, the last time we had a team that was of decent size would have been obviously the team from Glasgow that came up, which was Celtic. But the state of the club at that point wasn't fantastic in any way, shape, so the form of the day was awful. Um, a little bit different now. Good team that are going to come at the stadium light should be a decent enough crowd, um, and we should be able to kind of get a bit more of an idea of what that lineup's going to look like and, and kind of what shape we're in ahead of the season. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I personally think that they've only put the, the game on at home so they can see if the card machine works. <laughs> I, think I, think, I honestly think that that's what it is because the thought we're kind of be having 40-odd thousand people stuck outside live on Sky on a Sunday. I'll just so, tell, tell the lads at Mallorca they can get a 1999 Ryanair. Honestly, we'll cover it. I mean, no problem. Get them over. It sounds nice. It'll be nice and sunny and summer. But, I promise. Are they in the? They're in the league or on the Mallorca? Yeah. So, like I say, it's a top level club. They'll probably like. They'll probably bring a different type of opposition we'll face, but it'll be, be good to get out at home. Um, I know we've got the open training session as well. I like them. When I was a kid, I loved them. So it's good for the youngins to come down. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where we're at. I think there'll be a crowd of about twenty thousand. At a push, it'll be a bit like it'll be a bit like the crew game. To be fair, so we've got next after then we we'll got when we got Hartlepool. By the way, where do we play them next week? I think first, Tuesday the first. And I know that because I'm gone. Um, it, to me, though, I think that, that should have been before all of the American games. I feel like the the scheduling for preseason has been a bit weird this season. Like the level, the way you increase the level. I, I think they've only put that one in because we don't have to travel far within the last week. They can still train at home. I think that's the yeah. only reason they've done it. Um, and obviously they'll use these two games as... I know some people said maybe it's a stronger team on Saturday and the rest of the lads on the Tuesday, but listen to what Mowbray's saying, I think he's still well up for mixing the two squ- two squads for the two games. Um, I hope so because I'm going to Hartlepool one and I don't want to... <laughs> Well, granted, but saying that the youngins all look really, really good pre-season. We don't really have young players coming in the team now. They are our team. So it's hard to like say, give the youngins a chance. 
because they are our first team. Only way we'll get younger is if eleven bands when nappies come on playing in it. Um, <laughs> my younger and your younger might get everyone out the next couple of years. Um, but what you were saying there about the Mallorca one, they, they're going to see if the card readers work, whatever. So forty thousand aren't outside the ground. I wouldn't be surprised if they say something like, with it being a late kickoff, that the turnstiles are going to open from one o'clock. Why don't you come and experience? the new card machines nice and early and we'll give you 50 pence off another pint of Carlin. Because I think their artists are going to start clapping when they, it, it inevitably something's going to go wrong against the, the Mallorca one. Something might be just minor, but people are going to be turning up and out maybe it's half an hour, 45 minutes earlier than they usually would. And the queues are going to be horrendous. I mean, I won't, I'll still be over in the tavern until five to five to five or whatever. Sat with you, Ross, and sat with you, Graham. If you what, if you bother to come and show up, we'll be we'll be at the game. But looking at uh, well, I'll be. But the Mallorca actually finished in ninth last season. They were they were ten points off a Europa League position, um, which isn't too bad. I think they finished just below uh, Bilbao, Osasuna, and then Betis and Villarreal were the ones that got into the Europa League. And then obviously after that, you've got your, your Champions League. But yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it in a kind of weird way. I'm. Looking forward to the shenanigans that I know are going to happen Bet- with the uh, with the tickets as well. But um, I'm pleased. Better beat Boa today as well. Huh? Better beat Boa today as well. Now, that's similar standard, really, of what we're going to be expecting. And by all accounts, I had a couple of family members that went, and it was down in Chesterfield for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but by all accounts, they said it was a good game. Um, and they brought not many fans, but they brought a few, and it was... A good atmosphere and the, the the Spanish lads accounted themselves very well. So I'm hoping that it is a, a, a half decent standard, and it, it will be. They won't want to travel this far a week or so before this two weeks before their season starts, and just try and just turn up to just to put some numbers there. They, they'll come over here thinking it's a big stadium, decent sized crowd, similar to crowds to what they'll be used to over there, unless they play the big teams. They want to give it a good go, so it will be a good test, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think I'm just looking forward to getting back in the stadium. Like it feels like it's been quite a while, and it kind of weirdly creeping up that Ipswich game out of nowhere after feeling like it was like absolutely ages away. But um, we've done a podcast, um, which feels like I haven't said that for a while. But thanks for the people who've joined us and listened in, and. Obviously, these will be coming a bit more thicker and a bit more faster as the season edges closer. You'll have your preview shows, you'll have your view shows, everything you've come to expect. And then hopefully, if we can, some former player interviews. I'll be honest, I'm giving it a go, but I'm not pushing anything too hard. But um, fingers crossed, I've got one or two coming up for you. And if not, just regular old me, Ross, Dave and Brad. Um, but Ross, Brad, uh, congrats again, Ross. And thanks both of you for, for joining us, mate. I think we're a bit out of practice. So if you haven't enjoyed it, that's just understandable. Don't give us any grief. <laughs>